0: Hey y'all, I'm Tamina Zahiri, I'm Ruby
1: Satai,
2: I'm Kevin Swiber.
3: and I'm Joyce Lin. This is Breaking Changes Roundtable. This week we're going to talk about the latest innovation to be sweeping through Silicon Valley classrooms and beyond, and we're going to get into the security of online holiday shopping and review the best and worst tech trends of 2022.
0: Thanks, Rice. So a new chat bot called ChatGPT has taken the internet by storm. Introduced by OpenAI, the bot can understand natural human language and generate thoughtful, thorough responses. What do you guys think the impact of this is going to be? What have you seen the impact is? Have you played with it? You know,
1: I haven't. Yeah, I haven't had a chance to actually play with it. I was trying to get into it this week, but I kept getting this message about at capacity. Mm. So I'm assuming because it's trending so much, people are just like, you know, overwhelming the system here and trying to play with it. Unfortunately, because I did want to test out if ChatGPT could write a whole blog article in my style as I had seen other people do it. Um, So I'm just waiting on that to see how that goes. Has anyone else tried it?
2: Yeah, so like I see tech folks using it to like generate code, right? They'll give mm-hmm. a description of some kind of code they want, and then it generates the code. But is it is it mostly sort of technically focused here? I've seen we also saw Stack Overflow say like we won't accept any AI generated answers uh, anymore. So like clearly it's having some kind of impact on on tech. But I mean, you mentioned a blog post, so obviously it goes it goes broader than just tech, right?
1: Yeah, I think it's marketed as a text completion, like a text generator. So these are the same folks, OpenAI are you know the creators behind ChatGPT. These are the same folks that are responsible for DALI. Um, so if you're familiar with DALI, uh, it's an image generator. And what you do with DALI is basically you give it a prompt and it'll generate images based on what you gave it, basically. Um, so similarly with this text generator, text completion technology, you give it a prompt, no matter what it is, could be code, could be other text, um, and it'll act on what you gave it. So you can ask it to write a poem, you can ask it to write a blog article, you can give it code to review, uh, so on and so forth. So lots of possibilities there.
3: Yeah, I gave it a try. I jumped on it pretty quick before it got um, totally swamped. I heard the compute costs are pretty astronomical. So I, I am currently rate limited, but I tried it out at the very beginning. And a really cool stat, I think, is that it Took five days for ChatGPT to reach one million users, and wow. if you think about the growth rates of some other platforms or social media mm-hmm. or whatever, so it's not just it's not just developers, it's not just technical people, because there's not a hundred there's not that many, right? So it's just in the UI, the UX of it is so smooth. It's like mm-hmm. chatting, it's like googling, without any of the citations. <laughs> I printed. think. It's-
0: I think that comment is really interesting because um, I saw in a blog post, someone asked for Pokemon um, type strengths and weaknesses, and it just gave them a nice clean list, right? I don't know who who else played Pokemon, but I've definitely made those Google searches before. (laughs) And what I I think it's going to have a really big, the impact of this is just going to be insane over the next year because... Think about the fact that SEO, that like an industry that I hadn't even thought of initially when I think about jobs that are going to be impacted by AI. But SEO now, you don't necessarily have to be the top result on Google to get clicked on to share data, with to share information with someone. It's going to get pulled and scraped by an AI, and all the work that went into being number one on Google is now kind of might not be as important as it used to be.
2: Oh, so do you think like the people are going to use it for like keyword stuffing for like figuring out how to like best optimize an article to show up high on Google as opposed to like like gaming the system as opposed no. to like actually providing better content?
0: I think people are going to use it to search for information they want and say, hey, oh, chat, I see. chat GPT, tell me what the top, you know, tell me how this works or tell me what I'm looking for. And it'll provide a nice list of responses No advertisements, no clicking through websites, no recipes about grandma and, you know, why she was so impactful to your cornbread stuffing. So I think that'll be an interesting (laughs) mix.
2: It
3: is being called the Google killer. Yeah.
2: Well, interesting. Haven't heard of that. that. I was thinking more in terms like, can you be a nice version of my uncle, right? Like, can I I use it therapeutically? Like, can you, uh, you know, pretend you're my uncle and forgive me?
1: Well, like a personal assistant. So like it made me think of, I don't know that if you've seen this old Disney movie called Smart House, I think it was Pat, like the original Siri. Um, But basically, there was this system that was managing a house, very much like Siri, you could ask it questions, it would make suggestions and recommendations. That movie, though, was like a cautionary tale. And that's kind of how I'm still feeling about ChatGPT. So a lot's been coming out about it being influenced by the people who are training the models that ChatGPT is using and you know there's a lot of bias and lack of accuracy that could be involved there so one thing i've just tangentially been thinking about because of my background in classrooms and education is how professors could be using this technology or teachers could be using this technology if they're hoping to have chat gpt influence a lesson that they're going to teach on something there could be bias involved there um, based on the models being used for this technology so for example Something I read online was uh, like, how do I formulate something from the perspective of a CEO if this model was trained on what a CEO looks like and it understands CEOs as white males that are cisgendered, that could be, you know, influencing the content that this technology is producing.
3: It absolutely, like machine learning is only good as the models that it trains on. And this mm-hmm. is absolutely um incredibly biased. And Ruby, you're talking about generative AI and Dali. One of the things with Dali and some of the other generative AI projects is that they're using copyrighted material mm. to train their models. And so right now copyright refers to anything that's human created, but you know, us typing in our chat GPT queries and maybe providing feedback then informs the model going forward. So who owns that information? It surely is now in the system and now somebody else can just take like write it like Ruby, right? Mm. Write the blog post like Ruby, you're uploading your own writing style into the, into the um, artificial intelligence. And now it's going to be helping other people write like Ruby.
1: Or is it pulling from my old Facebook posts, which would be super problematic? I still have to go through and like, (laughs) scrub that a little bit. (laughs) I'm hoping that's not where it's coming from. But uh, yeah, there's definitely just thinking back into the classroom environment. There's a lot of stuff to consider there. A lot of cross-checking you should still do no matter what you're getting back from ChatGPT.
0: I thought it was interesting. I asked it to write a bio about me uh, to see what it could pull from the internet. And it says that I have a degree in computer science from a top university and I have several years of experience working as a software engineer. Neither of those things are true. (laughs) So I'm I'm really curious where it got that information from. Um, So... But I do wonder, I do hate writing bios about myself. So hopefully it gets better, and I can just rely on AI to do that.
1: Can it submit CFPS for us? Is <laughs> the the question there? <laughs>
3: Yeah, and that's one of the issues that I have. Um, like all the articles are saying, like it sounds very plausible or it's kind of confidently answering this. And if it's going to be a Google Google killer for me, when I Google, I look through and I see who are the sources and then I can check a couple of them. It's not already aggregated and abstracted away so that I could theoretically do some critical thinking.
0: Totally.
2: Oh, oh, it'd I be, be nice to have a confidence ranking like when mm-hmm. it responds to you. Like, hey, I'm like 20% confident that this is a, a good <laughs> response, you know? Which I like to do in conversation as well. I like to rank my the quality of my responses to give people an expectation.
0: It would also it would also be cool to see a just a um, data set of where it pulled that information from, how much information it pulled from that website. Even though it might be a, a massive data set,
2: it would be interesting to to poke through that. It's not that massive. It's mostly Ruby's Facebook posts, as I understand.
3: <laughs> so an excellent model. Well, I'm excited to see what ChatGPT brings up next. Now, how can you avoid becoming a victim of holiday cybercrimes? Find out next as we provide tips. All right, the holiday shopping season is in full swing if you're into capitalism. Are you waiting in long lines or are you doing your holiday shopping online? I, for one, have been getting spammed. I don't know what happened. What's happening with email, with like mobile? Like I'm getting spammed.
1: Yeah, I've been reporting a lot of junk this past week, especially, and getting messages on my phone Mm. as well. Email, I've kind of expected, but all these like spam messages on
0: my phone and links to see this or that, it's, it's a little sus. Definitely. So many weird emails coming in telling me I need to check something with my bank account or something's on its way to me and it's been shipped and I need to confirm it. And I know I'm not clicking on any of it, but so many people are. I can't so why do you imagine. think
3: spammers, scammers, spammers, why do you think everyone's like so interested in right now?
1: I mean, everyone's looking for somewhere to dump their money at this point, right? Where we have to buy all these gifts and man our traditions.
2: And it's panic mode, right? Like people are, are starting to get to like the end of a holiday season and they're like, I've got to buy something quick. So let me go, let me go online and just choose whatever. Suddenly, they're getting a message about their PayPal account being fraudulent or something, and they're clicking links, and they're adding passwords, and before you know it, boop.
0: Yep. I know um, my mom recently got a scammer. Scammer called her or something where they said, hey, you purchased an iPhone. And she's like, no, I didn't purchase an iPhone. And they're like, oh, well, we're going to need to go through all these steps to save your Amazon account or what have you. And she almost fell for it, um, honestly, until they told her – to not tell her husband about what's going on because maybe he was the one hacking her account. And she was like, Oh, this doesn't sound right. Um, so it's definitely, they're getting creative with what they're, what they're up to, but it's people are using their accounts. And the, the fear of being hacked into these days is also high. So I think they're really pinpointing that.
3: I think this is one of the reasons why they like, like Postman, we all work at Postman. We have to go through security training just to make sure we're not walking around in a bubble and we're a little bit savvy, but to me, you know, like your mother, like is probably not attending security training. How, like what I feel like every time I get some spammy email, it looks so spammy. I don't know who can fall for it, but there's some that look pretty real. How do you, how do you, um, what are, what's your mental checklist for avoiding that type of crime?
0: I mean, I know I'm always looking at where did the email come from? Uh, is there any typo in that email at all? Um, was I expecting to get the email? Uh, what is the call to action there? If it wants me to click a link to something, that is not that is not something I'm willing to do unless it's very clearly from the original sender or the expected sender and um, everything else kind of looks correct in that email, but. Yeah, I'm, I'm very wary of clicking links um, myself. I don't know. What about you, uh, Kevin, Ruby?
1: Yeah, I'm very cautious of, uh, you know, whenever I start to get a lot more emails or a lot more messages, I'll immediately start changing my passwords on everything um, and making sure that my passwords are not uh, easily remembered, even by me, unfortunately. Sometimes that gets me into a hole. But um, I think the common understanding nowadays with passwords is that your password should be a phrase
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and some combination of symbols and numbers, et etc, et etc. Uh, so that's something that I definitely do. Kevin, do you have tips for trying to avoid this kind of stuff?
2: No, I mean jokes on them. I've got like 80,000 unread emails, right? Like, so <laughs> keep, keep it coming. Just Still fill up my mind. inbox. I'm not going to open that. I'm not going to open it anyway, right? Uh, but no, I mean, I'm always like definitely look, looking at the URL of a website that I'm going to making sure that they're not taking like a lowercase l and making it look like a capital I, you know, like, uh, they do this stuff all the time. And of course, always checking like security certificates on websites to make sure that it's valid. Um, all that all that sort of thing. But yeah, I mean, I guess the way out of this is to shop local, right? Uh, and don't do any online shopping. But I, I'm definitely not someone who practices that. Like, I literally buy everything online. I don't even go to, like down the street to order food face to face anymore. I just like order it online to have somebody deliver it. So,
3: oh, you're so sustainable. <laughs> <laughs> I personally think I heard this um, tech talk um, recently, and it really stuck in my mind. But Ruby, you're talking about the best practices for passwords. Other people like don't subscribe to passwords. Other people are talking about like multi-factor auth mm-hmm. and auth. Those kind of practices, those preventative measures are only as good as one one has to fail, right? So we hosted a postman meetup and we had six factors of auth to be able to wow. get in. We had this app, we had you have to be on this list, you have to provide this kind of security. And then I propped the door open so that people could get in. And I was the weakest point, right? We had six factors of auth, and it only took one person to just let somebody what's that called? Backpack or track door back,
0: mm, like tag along on
3: inside there. And Mm -hmm. so like you can have all the passwords in the world, but if you write it down on a sticky right next to your machine, Mm -hmm. then you're screwed.
0: Totally.
1: Yeah, there's definitely a lot of um, opportunities for folks to take advantage of, unfortunately, older generations of people who are not quite used to all of these security measures. So something I read about recently uh, and have been hearing more about is folks who pretend to be family members of mm. older citizens and saying that they need money wired to them and all of this nonsense. Um, yeah, it's very scary. These things are definitely not just things that we should be training ourselves on, but training older generations of folks as well who are not quite used to it.
2: I agree. You need to be careful with multi factor auth as well because, um, you know, folks will, like scammers, will put their site out there, you'll put your password in, and then they'll ask for like your, your multi factor auth code. And then you add that in and then they have full access to your account, right? Like, so they can actually hijack your multi-factor authentication as well if you're not careful about the sites that you're using.
0: Something something interesting to kind of uh, scale back up a little bit out of the consumer directly in businesses is that even business hacks and attacks increase during the holiday season because folks are off of work. And so, and specifically, their cybersecurity folks who might be, um, you know, 24/7 checking things to ensure there's no major breaches. They're off work. Hackers know this, and so the impact of a hack, the impact of these cyber crimes, is much greater during the holiday season. So, definitely something to take into account if you're running a business.
1: I think at your, your organization where you work as well, be pals with your security team. Uh, anytime mm. something suspicious comes up, run it by them. And if they're like, you know, you're being overly careful, then great. <laughs> um, but otherwise you do you do want to run these things by that team.
3: Our security team actively targets me because they know that I'm a weak link.
0: <laughs> you're gonna put that out there, Joyce? <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah. don't I, mean? s-
0: I don't have my passwords written down here no.
1: So yeah, it sounds like we have a lot of thoughts on different tips and tricks on, you know, cybercrime and how to be a little bit safer during the holiday season. Um, What were the most successful trends of 2022 and which ones missed the mark? Find out next on the Breaking Changes Roundtable. This time of year is full of festive celebrations, gift giving, family time, and an opportunity to recharge. But we also can recap the year as a whole. What better way to reflect on the hits and misses from 2022 than reviewing a list? For reference, we'll be using the Gartner's 2022 top technology trends. We'll be talking about the hits, the misses, where we think the jury's still out, and some of our 2023 predictions. So jumping right into that, I'd love to ask Kevin, what do you think was a hit this past year?
2: Oh, gosh, I don't know. Um, I didn't look at Gartner's 2022 top trends. I'm not really sure. What do, what do they say? Also, I'm not sure I, I trust Gartner with, like, giving me the cool trends of, of 2022. Uh, but what's on, the, what's on the top of that list?
1: Something that was mentioned, actually, it wasn't the top. It was, like, number nine, I think, uh, was the metaverse. Mm. Uh, so curious to know what you oh folks' boy. thoughts
2: are on that. Oh, boy. I hear there's legs in the metaverse now. You know, um, I'm I'm not as amped about the metaverse as a lot of people are. Uh, but I think it's, you know, I think it's super cool. I mean, we we see like, folks kind of going back to, to roots of, of early internet social interaction now. And it's hard to like sort of match that to folks looking forward in the future with, you know, fully digital, immersive worlds. Um, so I, I am not like totally stoked on Metaverse. But I can see how a lot of people might be excited by an immersive experience. What do you think?
1: For me, the jury's out on that one. Because uh, I have been seeing it becoming more popular. There was some research in that same study from Gartner about J.P. Morgan Chase being the first bank in the metaverse in Decentraland. Um, so I don't know too much about what's going on in the metaverse. I also have heard that folks are buying real estate there, mm-hmm. which is just fascinating to me. Um, but I also feel like, you know, we just got or we're still kind of dealing with a pandemic and people are excited to be with each other and be in person. So I don't know that this is necessarily the right time to market something like this. I don't know that people have the appetite for being more virtual when we just got a chance to be more in
0: person. I I haven't been involved with the metaverse uh, this last year, but that's something I want to change going into 2023 personally. I think it's interesting that especially younger generations, they've Grown up in a global world, internet connected already, and it's taking things to another another level of interaction in a in a in a more global world. Um, So I'm I'm excited to see some of the impact this has personally on say. um, So for me specifically, just events, concerts where you might not be able to go in person, maybe you don't want to deal with being in person at an event like that. I mean, the pandemic might be over, but COVID is still a thing. RSV has been taking the world by storm. The flu this last year was very difficult. I can speak from experience. And so kind of being able to avoid that, but still have amazing experiences. I don't know, I'm on board.
3: I think we're a long way. I think people are picturing like Ready Player One. And so that's what's getting people excited, but we are not at all there yet. And Ruby, you're bringing up Decentraland. I don't even know if that's how you pronounce it. I have looked for real estate because I live in San Francisco. I'm very poor. So I'm like, oh, maybe I can own real estate in the metaverse. But am I going to buy my house or my bank in Decentraland or any one of these hundreds of other metaverses? So right now, like nobody's playing with each other. So they're all individual verses. It's the opposite of universe. (laughs) It's like the multiverse, right? But you can't hop between the two.
1: Mm. Multi-metaverse. It's (laughs) true. Um, You did mention something earlier about sustainability, Joyce. Uh, That was something else that was on this list, by the way. Uh, So Mm -hmm. sustainable tech. Uh, That's been a trend this past year. I feel like that's a hit. Uh, Just because we kind of don't have any more space on this earth, right? We only have so many resources and we have to start thinking about reusability. So I feel like this is something that's going to continue to
0: trend upward. I agree, and even thinking about sustainability when it comes to technology, we all we all know that cryptocurrency mining takes a huge hit to our, um, you know, the the energy systems that we have. And Texas, specifically where I am, has a massive Bitcoin mining um, presence, <laughs> and we are. Our whole infrastructure went down two years ago, thanks to an ice storm. Um, so it makes me, I think that's been a bit of a miss if I, in terms of not reining in the impact of uh, energy consumption, but I'm really looking forward to sustainable technology coming in and helping um, equalize the field.
3: I have one that's probably not, I didn't read the Gartner's one either, but um this one's a little boring, but I think it's so relevant to where we all work and what we're all kind of focused on. But I think it was a Forbes top 10 list, and it wasn't so much the trends as far as like hot digital buzzwords. Do you guys want to guess what the number one word was? APIs. Start. API first, oh. all right? So we all talk about API first, but how many people do you know in the broader technical community talking about API first? It's like a lot of, Kevin, maybe you can answer this, but it's probably a lot of C-level people. It's a lot of VP levels. But how is API first? Number one buzzword.
2: Well, maybe the Forbes audience, right? <laughs> um, yeah, maybe that wider developer audience might not be talking about API first as much. But, you know, definitely folks who are in director level, VP level positions are talking about APIs. And We could probably go through a list of of everything on, say, this Gartner list. Um, and look at the API angle associated with it, right? I bet artificial intelligence is on there somewhere, uh, but APIs for for AI is is a big topic as well.
0: Yep, taking it back to the ChatGPT, they have their, their API spec up. You can go play around with it and, and integrate uh, with ChatGPT.
1: Yeah, I've seen a collection here and there on, a, on Postman to play with OpenAI, so you can definitely play along with these different technologies at this point.
3: People are building on top of it, but I think the monetization, not to scooch back to the chat GPT, but the monetization and the um, the ability to build your entire business or integration on top of, of somebody else's tech is a little bit risky.
0: I hear that. Something? Yeah. Go ahead, Kevin.
2: Oh, I was just going to say, my whole I mean, my whole world is APIs, right? Like I'm talking APIs every single day. Uh, and so definitely, like, a trend happening this, this year specifically uh, is folks realizing the opportunity in APIs, right, uh, and expanding kind of their API footprint so much that it's, it's almost hard to, to wrangle, right? So folks are seeing new business opportunities, new business channels come up through digital means. Uh, and I think, you know, that, that's probably only going to continue, and we'll start to see more interesting products out there. I mean, I think of AI as an API as a really interesting product that has entered the scene just just recently.
0: Right? Definitely, I think it's interesting also just kind of taking the whole topics of AI, APIs, um, and sustainability there. I, I heard a, uh, a podcast about um, implementing a universal basic income tax on calls to those AI APIs. Um, where maybe a 1% tax and it, that goes back to providing a UBI for the folks whose jobs are going to be replaced uh, you know, in the very near future.
3: In the distant future, let's agree.
0: <laughs> I hope so.
1: <laughs> I had some connections to telematics technology that I was thinking about with open AI and this artificial intelligence trend. I'm having a hard time drawing that connection at this point, trying to remember why I had that thought. Um, But telematics technology is also something that I think is a hit or has been a hit this past year. Um, IOT devices collecting the same information that your phone can uh, for user-based insurance. You mentioned UBI, Tamina. I'm not sure if that's what you were referring to. Um, But yeah, I feel like telematics is also trending um, and that's something that is, you know, going to build safer roads ultimately, it's helping folks get discounts on their insurance. Um so that's another technology that I
0: think I'm keeping my eyes on. All right, looking ahead to 2023, I'm really excited to see where metaverse goes and what experiences we'll get to do in the meta world.
1: I'm actually very excited to see where we go with AI in the next year. I feel like there's so much buzz about ChatGPT and DALI in the recent weeks and months. Uh, So we're just taking off at this point. So there's a lot of room to grow there. And there's a lot of um, API access as well to this technology, as Kevin was mentioning earlier. So I'm excited to see how people continue to build and expand and really create beautiful things with this technology.
2: Uh, I think we've seen really interesting ways that people are starting to connect uh, in 2022. And where I'm hoping we see this go in 2023 uh, is is more to the developer side as well. So concepts like social coding, what we're seeing with companies like Glitch, uh, even Postman to a certain degree, um, how do we increase collaboration and communication and, and sort of a, a social network effect around the the idea of, of writing programs of coding? Um, I think there's there's a long way we can go. And I think we'll probably see some advancements happen soon.
3: My parting shot is not so much a prediction, but it's an encouragement. Um, Kin Lane just published an API First book. And I think sharing information and sharing knowledge and even sharing hot takes that you have with the rest of the community can only make it stronger. Um, and so do you have to write a book? No, you don't have to write a book. But if you're looking for a new year's resolution to set, if you're thinking about starting that TikTok career or starting to blog, starting a live stream, whatever it is, I think it's a really good opportunity to start talking with the developer community and sharing what you know.
2: Uh, Like, comment, and subscribe to Breaking Changes Roundtable. And until next time, cheers.